Hey, thank you for tuning in to the Fountain Podcast. We pray that this message blesses you and helps you to see Jesus clearly, love him deeply, and follow him wholeheartedly. Let's dive in. You guys ready for the word this morning? I hope so, because God's moving right now. He's speaking. Can I encourage you right now? Romans tells us that if you need faith, just listen to the word of God. The word of God builds up your faith. And then Hebrews 4 tells us that the word of God is living and active and powerful, meaning that we're not just hearing words from a textbook. It is the very words of God. And it cuts through the attitudes in our heart and our soul. It exposes. And then Isaiah tells us that when the word of God goes forth, it never comes back void. There's always, it, the word of God is always profitable. So this Sunday is only another Sunday, basically, if we make it to be. Because he's living and active. God's spirit is here. And I want to lean in. Can we pray right now? Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit, God. Lord, we need your truth. We need your power. And so, God, I pray, Lord, Lord, we know that through the cross and through the resurrection, there is already an open heaven. So, Lord, give us an open heart to receive, God. Lord, we want to hear your words. I, I'm, I'm believing this morning, God's second service, that, God, that you are going to give fresh words, fresh vision, God, fresh dreams, God, fresh anointing, Lord, so God, help us to receive it, God, with faith. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, when you get hurt, you want it to be like with a good story. Am I the only person that feels that way? Like, I mean, who wants to get hurt? But if at least if you're going to get hurt, you want to have a good story, right? So Laura and I were reflecting on... I say we, but like only she gave birth, but I don't know how to like word that the right way. But um, last three births, right, coming home, it's been different every time. Brought home our, our Selah, oldest one, seven years old, to a quiet and peaceful home. Shepherd, my boy, is coming into a chaotic house. Those girls are crazy. I love them, love them, love them. Crazy though, crazy. Can I just... Wait, parent woes, really quick, just quick parent woe, okay? I love my toddler, uh, Alora, but she also loves drawing on my walls, um, and it's testing my salvation um, so much where I can't prove this, but it feels like she's taunting me, if you know what I'm saying, parents, you know, where it's like, <laughs> she's looking at the corner of her eye, right, and she's slowly opening up a marker. I'm like, I see what you're doing. You can't, you can't fool me, and so... Her, she, she starts to air draw, right? And I'm like, are you trying to tell me what you're going to do right now? Parent mode, finished, done, moving on, okay? Um, I'm back. And so they're coming into chaos, right? It, it's crazy. But when Alora was born, a couple weeks before, was it? No, it was a week after, um, I hurt myself. And now again, I wish I had a great story, but all I was doing was walking. So in our last, it was a beautiful place. It was a great place. Um, but there was some artificial turf. There was just a little, little, little small divot in the ground, which is harmless unless you're me and you step in it at the perfect angle. Guys, I'm just walking. I'm walking. All of a sudden, I step in. My foot twists. I go down like in a second. And I just hear Sailor say out loud, Mom, Dad's dead. And I'm like, it sure feels that way, baby. I feel, I feel dead right now. 
And I'm trying to muster up any pride that I would have. It almost it felt like I was on the court. I got my ankles crossed. I mean, not that not that has ever happened before, right, Jay? You never crossed my ankles, okay? Um, but I was like, I was embarrassed. I was like, I can't. But then, so I was like, no. She's like, hey, go to the hospital. And I'm like, no, I got this. I got this. I didn't have it, guys. Called my dad. I'm like, dad, you gotta take me to the hospital, you know, because we have a newborn. Come on, man. Like, don't have an injury when you have a newborn. So long story short, I uh, had a light fracture of my ankle. Um, I know you don't want to see my feet, so I'm going to move on to this. Um, I was like, Lauren, like, I'm going to show them my ankle. And I'm about myself, hey, no one came to church to see my feet. So I'm going to keep it moving. But I had to show you that I did get hurt, and it was bad. I was in, I was in pain. And literally, um, I, had, I had this out of my head, this shouldn't be happening. <laughs> like, bad timing, right? And I think when it comes to the topic of pain, we all know the right answers, right? That, man, we live in a fallen world. Things happen. Um, we shouldn't expect an easy life. But how come when we get hurt, it's like, why is this happening? Am I the only one? Like, I feel so. It's like, this shouldn't be happening right now. And so literally, I'm like, wow, I'm supposed to be on my feet, <laughs> able to help my wife, right, with, with our newborn. But yet, I was in pain. And it just, it just it wasn't, it wasn't ideal at all. And I think sometimes we think about pain it can be surprising. It can be disillusioning. It can be hard. And so I know I'm talking to a big, uh, a room right now. For some of us, we're in a really, really difficult season right now. Like, it's just been hard. It's been, it's been weighty. It, 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 to, get, to give a picture, it's almost like the water's up right here. And if one more thing happens, it feels like you're going to drown. And I just, I just believe God has a word for you today. I feel like God wants to supernaturally encourage you today. I feel like for some of us, we're not drowning, but we're just, we've just been kind of going through it and we're tired and we're fatigued and it's like, life is just life. I feel like God has a word for you too today. But we have to look at God's word. This is what Peter says in 1 Peter 4.12. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. You like it when scripture like slaps you and hugs you at the same time? Where it's like, hey, I know you're going through a hard time, but it's, it's okay. Don't act like something's weird happening to you. Now let's put this into context. Peter is writing to Christians that are in severe persecution. They are being murdered for their faith. So let's just kind of put that in, you know, in, in perspective, right? So um, if you get a flat tire today, something isn't strange happening to you, okay? Like that's a little different. But there is a principle that, that's saying that when we are going through hardship and difficulty, as believers, we are not immune from that. We will go through it. But here's the difference is that we don't have to go through problems apart from Christ. We get to do it with Christ, with his presence, with, with, with his power. So don't be surprised, but how many of you guys know that there's one thing to have head knowledge and there's one thing to actually be living it out in real life? And we, we all know what it's like, myself included. Everything like looks like it's going well, feels like it's going well, right? We're at church. Yeah, blessed and highly favored. Yet I can't stay on my life right now. <laughs> it's like, it's terrible. We all know that, that feeling. So what, is, like, so what do we do with that? Does God expect us just to put a front on to put a mask on? Absolutely not. But, but, I, but I feel like when we're in pain, we usually ask these two questions. The first one is, why this? 
And, and we all know what this might be for you. For some of us, it could be some physical pain that you've had chronic pain. Maybe you just had a, a recent diagnosis and you're just, you're just in pain and you're hurting and it's hard. That is, that is so difficult uh, to walk through. For some of us, we might even be experiencing relational pain where there, maybe there's been a, a person lives that we care about that, man, we were so close to, but for whatever reason, there's just, there's distance now. And the distance, it hurts. Some of us, we might even be experiencing spiritual pain where it's like, God, like where, I know you're good. I know I love you. I know you love me, but I don't know what you're doing right now. It's, it's caused me pain. We, we all know what it's like to experience those things. And, and, and as much as that's hard enough, I think a bigger question we ask is not just why, why this, but why me? Like, and again, can we just like, you know, take off like the, I know the right answers hat right now. Can we just kind of be real for a moment where it's like, like, why me, God? Like, like I, I thought, I thought things were going well. I thought you loved me. Like I, I serve at church. Like why? I don't, I don't understand. And can I tell you, God is so compassionate towards our pain. He is so kind towards our pain. I mean, scripture is full of stories and example where God doesn't run from our pain. It's actually the opposite. He actually runs, runs toward our pain. There's a book uh, called Leadership Pain. Um, whether you consider yourself a leader or not, I think you are, a little secret. But um, I, I, I would read that book because it, it deals with this, with this premise. Um, it's called Leadership Pain called Samuel, by Samuel Chan. The premise is this. If you want to grow, growth requires what? Change. And whether it's good change or bad change, all change is what? Painful. So if you want to know how much you're going to grow in, in, in this next season, this gets really encouraging, how much pain can you endure? It gets better, okay? <laughs> so um, Samuel Chan tells a story about how um, he grew up in India. And in India... There, um, his uh, uh, community group dealt with a lot of leprosy. And so one of the misconceptions with leprosy is that due through uh, malnutrition mal mal and not eating properly, that your body starts to deteriorate. But actually, a lot of times what happens is when you have leprosy, that you don't know the signs of danger in a physical pain. So you'll do things and you won't actually feel it before it's too late. And so meaning, um, so Dr. Brand, uh, him and uh, Sam did a book together. And Dr. Brand uh, had a four-year-old um, in his office, super painful story, where she had um, uh, bruises, she was bloody. And he, he noticed how as he was taking off her bandages, she almost seemed kind of bored, almost like a, a little aloof, as in like, like, why are we here? And the reason was, is that she couldn't feel literally the physical sensation of pain. And so as he met with more kids, Dr. Brand, actually kids would come in four years old, five years old, with their hands actually uh, half off because they kept biting their fingers because they couldn't feel pain. And so Dr. Brand um, said, you know, to his, you know, workers, hey, don't worry, you know, this isn't that, that contagious. Don't worry about it. Two weeks later, he's flying home 
Uh, he's, he's staying at a hotel for a night. He takes off his right shoe. He's like, oh, my gosh, like, I can't feel my right foot. So he gets a pin, starts, you know, poking it and poking it, and, like, nothing. So he starts freaking. I mean, wouldn't you? Starts freaking out. Like, I got to call my wife. I got to figure out a plan. I got to, like, you know, quarant- I, I, I can't. This isn't working. The next morning, he takes a big pin, pokes it super hard, and he says out loud, ow. <laughs> and from that moment, he said in his book that every time he experiences pain in his body, he says out loud, thank you, God, for pain. And again, that's not to say that we should just rejoice when we're experiencing pain, but pain, what it does, if we're not careful, um, we avoid pain, but we remove the signs that it, it can actually help us. This is a problem area. Like, this part in your body, this part in your heart, if you keep experiencing pain, God is trying to show you something. And, and I love what Samuel, he said, he said this, pain isn't the enemy. The inability or the unwillingness to face pain is a far greater danger. Just, oh, just think about that. Like, I was so sobered up when I read that, because I'm like, there's been more times than I want to admit when I've experienced pain Instead of me running towards God, I just didn't want to deal with it. I'll figure it out. I got this. I'm going to like, but then it's not the pain. It's that I'm unwilling to face it. And so look what the Lord says in Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Like, let this refresh you. Like, when God, when God sees us, when we're broken, when we're hurting, he doesn't run away from us. He actually pursues us. And God is always present. God is always near. But it's almost like there is a special grace, a special favor on someone when they're experiencing pain. Why? Because God, he's just close. He wants to rescue. He wants to be near. That's just who he is. And then 2 Corinthians Chapter uh, 1, verse 3. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father, and He is the source of all comfort. So just think about that. Like, he, God isn't just a comfort. He's not just an additive to what we're already doing. He's a source of it all. And so when you're in a small group and you're feeling encouraged by what other people are saying, He's a source of all comfort. God put those people in your life. When you're driving to work, and you you know, like, not just when you're crying, but, like, when you're, like, crying, crying, and that song comes on, and you're not just vibing with it, but God is touching your heart, he's a source of all comfort. And so God will find ways to comfort you. He doesn't run from your pain. He actually wants to come close to us. (laughs) Skipped it. There you go. God comes close in our pain. C.S. Uh, Lewis, famous theologian, he wrote so many amazing books, yet in his ministry, his, his wife passed away, and he had to deal with this question, which we all have to deal with, which is an age-old question, is if God is so good, why is there still suffering? Why is there hurt? Why is there pain? We're not going to talk about that today, um, but as he started, you know, researching in his word and praying, he wrote this line, which is not just poetic, but it's also profound, is that God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, 
but he shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to ruse a deaf world. And so when we are experiencing pain, can I just say so gently right now, God's voice can become so clear. When we are experiencing hardship and difficulty, it is not a better time to have an open heart to what God is saying to us. And it's not taken away from what you're experiencing, but God has um, a reality for which he wants to bring you closer to him. And so God wants, he wants to come close to us in our pain. You know, when we go through, bless you, when when we go through troubles and pain, we all know what it's like when we have to make that decision Am I going to have an open heart or am I going to close off? And we all know what it's like where when we choose to make a decision, I just, I don't want to do this. And so we, we callous ourselves. But when we allow God to come close to us, you know what happens? He tenderizes our heart again. He makes it soft. Like it says in Ezekiel 36, that he gives us a new and a soft heart. I'm just believing today for some of us where we've just been shut off. And maybe outwardly we look great. We sound great, right? Maybe we even convince ourselves great. God isn't convinced and he wants to soften our hearts today. And so I want to, what I want to do, you guys with me this morning? Is this resonating? Come on. So we're going to be talking about the life of Elijah. Now let me highlight real quick that before we go into our context is that Elijah just had one of the best moments of his life. He went on Mount Carmel He was coming against, I think, 400 um, false prophets of Baal. Basically, they had a fire match. That sounds pretty pretty awesome, right? Um, And guess what? He won. Yahweh won. The fire of God literally came down, consumed his sacrifice. It was a mountaintop experience. Now, when I say mountaintop experience, I mean the power of God is present. It is significant. It is meaningful. A lot of our students experience that at our West Conference where, you know, 10 years from now, they're probably not going to remember the preaching. Makes me a little sad. It's all right. It's fine. Um, they're probably not going to remember the songs they sang. They're probably not going to remember like what their youth leaders prayed for them that day, but they will remember forever that God marked them that day and it will keep them. So we got to be careful how we talk where we say like, it's not about the emotions. Absolutely. We are not driven and led by our emotions, but God will give us experiences that will mark us forever, forever. And so um, we need to, we don't need to go to a place for a mountaintop experience, but man, God wants to bring us to the mountain. We need the mountain. We need to experience God's presence in a powerful way. And so Elijah, he just had that experience but how many guys know you can't live on the mountain? You gotta, you gotta come down. And so, First Kings chapter nineteen, verse one says this: When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah: May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you, just as you have killed them. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he, went, uh, then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have, heard, I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. So this dramatic moment 
where God is with Elijah. He's on the mountaintop. He gets off, and then he's gripped with fear. He's gripped with fear. And literally, guys, it, all it took was two verses for him to flee. Like, that was it. Mountaintop, amazing power of God. Two verses later, I'm out. <laughs> like, I can't do this. And I'm laughing because I'm like, that's me. That's you. Like, in a moment, if we're not careful, fear can grip our hearts, and it can uh, derail us from what God wants to do. Pa Pastor James did not know what I was preaching today, and so he gives a word in worship. Some of us have been gripped by fear. Lean into that. God is speaking right now. And so if we're not careful, if you're taking notes, you can jot this down, that fear will shrink your life to the size of your comfort. I'm saying it slow because I forgot to put it up there. But fear will shrink your life to the size of your comfort. What do I mean is that, again, we all have uncomfortable moments. We all have fearful moments. But when we are led by fear, it's almost like fear is more than just an emotion, but it is a response where it's almost like, here's my circle. If I don't feel comfortable, if I don't want to do this, if this isn't my preference, if I just, if I don't want to be obedient, I will just stay within the circle and I won't get myself uncomfortable. And the result is our life shrinks to the size of our fear. And we're, we're restricted, we're restrained. And it happens to all of us. If it happened to Elijah after the mountaintop, it can happen to all of us. Some of us, we just feel so restricted. We're afraid, we're fearful. And God wants to, he wants us to break out. And if you look at Elijah's life, where'd he go? He went to Beersheba. That is, if you look at the geographical, that is the furthest town away from Judah, meaning he was out. Like, like I ain't coming back. I'm done. I don't want to do this. Fear will shrink your life. Now, let's kind of dive a little bit deeper, okay? So, like, what happens with fear? The, one of the first things that Elijah did is he abandoned his, his responsibility. So, remember what happened where he heard Jezebel? He fled for his life, but what did he do after that? He left his servant in the town, and then he kept going. In other words, he abandoned, he abandoned his, his responsibility. Where when we walk in fear, the things that only we can do as believers, as husbands, as wives, whatever it may be, we stop doing because we just don't want to deal with it anymore. We abandon responsibility. For some of us, God wants us to uh, not just like get over the feeling of fear, but he wants us to be responsible again. He wants us to take the things that we haven't been stewarding and to put the right, the right effort into it. So he avoided responsibility too, he isolated himself from, from, from reality. Meaning, like, what did he do? He left his servant, and where'd he go? He went into the desert by himself. He wasn't going on a car ride, you know, for a scenic drive. You know, he wasn't trying to just kind of chill, get some air. He's like, no, I, I, I don't want to deal with reality right now. Now, there is a difference between recharging and isolating. Recharging means, man, you are actually recharging yourself, like your, your soul is getting better, but then you re-engage the world again. But when you're isolated, you're like, dude, I'm out. I'm drained. I'm tired. Like, I'm going to like do my own thing. And the Lord kind of dropped this on me last night that when we think about isolating ourselves, it's not just not talking to people. It's not even just, you know, uh, 
Netflix and Hulu and your favorite meal. By the way, I, by the way, I do like that. So I was kind of struggling. Like, do I, do I say that? Yeah, I should say that. Um, it's, it's all those things, but it's more than that, is that you're escaping reality because you, you don't want to deal with it. And, and, and I say this like so gently, is that a lot of us, we're, we're so fatigued right now. We think because, man, I just, I need a vacation. I need more rest. I just can't, like, some of our fatigue, we're so tired because we've just been avoiding reality. And, and, and the reason why we're tired is God doesn't want us to live. He wants us to live in reality, but he can't, he can't move when you're in that world. He wants to move in your real world, real emotions, real pain. So you got to step back into reality. And so Elijah, he isolated himself. He was in the wilderness. And then lastly, what did he do? He started to pray a prayer. God, take me out. I'm done. One thing I didn't see, though, because usually when we talk about this verse, like, again, we see some mental health. We see some depression. I mean, he is not in a good place. But if you remember, take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. It just got me thinking, I wonder if Elijah started to question if he's really God's guy. As in, like, Maybe that fire thing was just by accident. What if I can't continue that? Some of us will call it imposter syndrome. We're like, I don't know. If they really find out who I am, they're going to know that I'm not like, like I was the one-time fire guy, but I'm not like the guy. And so what did he start doing? He started to abandon his responsibility, isolated from reality, but then he started down his calling. And so it's like, God, you have so many things. Or at least I thought you had so many things for me, but then I just, I just abandoned it. A lot of times we question God's call in our lives because we're going through difficulty, either in us or around us. And so we disqualify ourselves. But, but, but here this is actually the opposite. God takes these painful, hard moments in our lives, works it through us, and that's what actually qualifies us to follow him. As in like, well, let me, let me clarify that. We can only follow him by his grace, but because he's working through our lives, your pain doesn't disqualify you, but it makes you a prime candidate for your life to be used by him. And so Elijah didn't understand that where his calling wasn't just about what he's going to do, but what God wanted to do in him as a person. So he started doubting and doubting, but God wanted to, he didn't want him to forfeit his calling. He wanted him to take up his calling. So Elijah is in a valley. But think about this. Elijah, he was in what I would call a circumstantial valley, meaning right now he's facing Jezebel. Right now he's feeling fear. But none of us can avoid not just the circumstantial valley, but the personal valley inside of us. What do I mean by that? We all have a valley. We all have things inside of us that we need to be deal with. But what can happen is because life gets so busy and hard and chaotic, it's so easy for us to focus on what's happening out there and we ignore what's happening in here. So we put all this energy and work, put out that fire, put out that fire, put out that fire. And then you get home, you're like, I still don't like my life. I'm still tired. I'm still like fatigued. 
And it's because God, yes, you can handle that, but God's more interested in right here. So we, 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 we learn from Elijah's life that you can't outrun your valley. Remember, he was full of fear and he fled. Elijah, you can run from your circumstance, that valley, but you can't run from the valley and here. And that's encouraging because God's like, I love you so much, Elijah. I'm not going to let you escape your valley. We're going to deal with it. Because you might run away from Jezebel, but there's going to be more Jezebels. There's going to be more valleys. And in his kindness and grace, he wants, he wants to deal with it. So we got to look beyond our circumstances. So now Elijah, um, long story short, God meets him, gives him some food, gives him some water. I would love that if I'm going through a hard time, God sends an angel, you know, a little door dash from heaven. That's how, I read, that's how I read those scriptures. God, that'd be a nice heavenly door dash. Going to keep praying for that. Um, and so he's there. He's in the cave right now. And this is what he says to um, the Lord. Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, tore down your altars, and killed every single one of your prophets. Here's the key. And I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. Elijah's like, God, you're not, are you, <laughs> are you not seeing me right now? Like, Jezebel is after me. I'm full of fear. All the prophets are dead, and it's just me. Elijah didn't know there was at least 400 more. God had a remnant. God was, God was working, even though Elijah couldn't see it. But you can almost hear in Elijah's spirit, like, I'm the only one left. This shouldn't be happening. This isn't the plan. I don't. I didn't sign up for this. And I love the Lord because he doesn't even respond to Elijah the way that he thinks. He does this. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was on the wind. After the wind was there, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. But after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in, in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. This beautiful picture, Elijah discouraged, despondent. He's not in reality. He's questioning his calling. He's in this place. He's having an honest conversation with God. God, I'm not good. I'm the only one left. Why am I doing this? God's like, all right, all right, Elijah, I got you. Here's some fire. Not there. Here's an earthquake. Not there. Here's a windstorm. Not there. But then he hears a gentle whisper. You know, in the Hebrew, that phrase, it literally means a silent voice. In other words, it's almost like God's presence was so tangible, so there, to just his presence was all that Elijah needed. And I just think it's so interesting that God, that Elijah experienced God on the mountaintop through a fire, but then God wasn't in the fire in the valley. He was in the thin silence with Elijah. I think so often we can confuse the spectacular with the supernatural. And we're waiting for this breakthrough moment. God, give me the fire. Give me the earthquake. God's like, you just need my voice. You need my presence. Love, hey, listen, I love the fire. 
I love the fire. I love the, I love all the spectacular, but God isn't defined by, he is spectacular, but more than that, it's his presence that we need. And so, but Eliza had to make a choice. Am I going to stay in the cave or am I going to come out? And I think that same question is for us too, is that we can choose the pain of growth or the pain of regret. Meaning that none of us are immune from pain. We know that. But yet when we're in those painful moments in the Lord and we're processing with the Lord and we're trying to figure things out, there's the pain of growth, which is, I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to deal with my pride. I don't want to deal with my insecurity. I don't want to deal with my freedom. Issues. I don't want to deal with these things. But yet, God, I hear your gentle whisper. Now, I don't know what is all that's in here, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that step. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to obey you. I'm going to trust you. But then some of us know too, the, the, and I know too, the, the pain of regret where it's like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to take that next step. I just, I just want to stay here. And some of us, we've, we've been in the cave for too long. And God's, I thought the Lord is just encouraging us. And it's his kindness that leads us to repentance that if you trust his voice, he knows how to lead you. He, know, he, he knows where to take you, but we got to choose the pain of growth. So I want to I wanna talk really briefly about the Apostle Paul. Uh, Pastor Matt uh, did a couple of verses out of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, which I'm going to hit on a little bit today. But nobody probably, I mean, the Apostle Paul, he understood pain. He knew physical pain from the flogging, from being almost stoned to death. He knew the emotional pain of people deserting him. He knew the pain, maybe not even the pain, but the burden of that he's an apostle over many churches. He knows the burden as a, as a father of carrying the church in his heart. He understands weight. And so now we find ourselves in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and there is a thorn in Paul's flesh. Now, that's a big topic, and we don't have time to kind of dissect that. Um, but it sounds like if you have a thorn in your, in, in your flesh, it's pretty painful. It's pretty tough. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 12, three different times I begged the Lord, Paul, to take it away. And each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. So when I hear it three different times, here's, how I, here's what I'm reading, is that there are times when God will do the spectacular. He will do it right then and there. It's done. It's almost a salvation. Salvation is a one-time thing. When God saves you, you're saved. You can't take credit for it. You can't earn it. Once he parts the Red Sea, all you got to do is walk through it. Once Jesus died for our sins, raised from the, from the grave, all we have to do is what? Believe. But three different times, Paul asked God to take, take it away. And he said, no, my grace is sufficient. In other words, what God is saying is some things are just done and some things are a process. And maybe your experience is like mine. Most things that God does is through a process where he takes us deeper and deeper and deeper. I don't know about you, but a lot of us, myself included, I don't like the process. I don't say to myself, Amazon, can you give me a process? 
Like, can you send me my thing five days later? I know you're, I know you're delayed right now, but you can, you can have some more time. No, I need my gel yesterday. It ran, true story, last week. I'm like, I'm going to the conference. I'm like, I don't have my gel. Come on, Amazon. Real story. And so, like, we know what it's like. We don't like the process. If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. If you're going on a road trip with your kids, I love, I love my kids. Love them. But I don't like the process. <laughs> I, I, I don't like, and you know what I'm going to ask right now, the first five minutes, are we there yet? You haven't finished your movie. You haven't even started your movie yet. Like, like, like what's, what's happening? But you know what? We can act that same way. Are we there yet? And we know what it's like to be, Paul, God, I've asked you over and over, are, are we there yet? Are we, are we done with this? And God is so kind that he cares about the destination, but he cares about our depth way more. I would, I, I would say it this way, is that God's process is more about the depth of our freedom and less about the destination that we want to get to. And I know that's the wrong too. Forgive me. But the, our, God is interested, yes, in the destination. Listen, he who started a good work in us will bring it to completion. God knows the destination where he wants to take us, but also he doesn't just want to get us there, but he wants to do something inside of us. And that requires a process. That requires depth. And so we see in those verses that, Paul, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. Now, if we're being truly honest and we're like really like putting off the mask right now, would we put God's power works best in weakness? That's difficult. That's hard. Some of us, myself included, would want to say, man, God's power works best in my ability, like in my gifting, in my strengths, like in my, in my ability just to, just to get it done. I'm, I'm going to figure this out. Or God's best works great because, man, I am strategic. I'm on it. And you know what? It doesn't say that. It says that God's power works best in what? Weakness. And so I'm reminded of when Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5 that blessed are the what? The poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. You know, I, I, I recently uh, went back into counseling this last month. Um, I love counseling. This is like, I don't know, my third or fourth go around. Uh, it's always funny when I tell the people I'm in counseling because I either get like, <laughs> I'm not surprised, buddy. Like, I mean, it should have been yesterday. Um, they don't say that. But their face kind of looks that way, you know, but it's fine. Whatever. Um, and then, but another time I'll get to is like, oh my gosh, like, are you okay? Like, is your life falling apart? And um, I like to use the metaphor that it's like your car. You can fix your car when it's not working anymore, or you can fix your car, just schedule maintenance. And we got to have schedule maintenance. Um, you know, I, I wish I was at this first service, but I didn't think about this till worship. So I'll tell you guys, special treat. Okay. Um, <laughs> bonus points, um, <laughs> is that, you know, uh, a mentor told me is that we need to have three different people in our lives. We need a, a person in our lives, a spouse, a best friend that we can just, like, live our life with. We need to have a pastor that can, like, pastor us. Like, like they know our weaknesses. They know, they know our strengths. They know our insecurities. They, they, they just know. They, they know our lives. And we also need a counselor, 
someone that can objectively look at our lives and gives us the tools to, to move forward. And so this mentor told me, he's like, this is why I can say, like with uh, integrity, I carry no secrets because one of those three people knows something about my life. And I thought that was so freeing because sometimes we can feel the pressure that I need to have one person, you know, in my life that like, you know, can hear everything. And that's tough for that one person because <laughs> that's weighty, you know, like, like sometimes I would just vomit on Lord. I'm like, I am so sorry. I should probably get more people in my life to like talk about this. But then two, other people are skilled in different ways. It just, it just, it just works better that way. So sidebar, okay, we're done with that. And so I'm back in counseling. And honestly, I look forward to it. I was like ready for it. And I don't think I was being skeptical. Maybe I was. But, you know, first meeting, being introduced to my counselor, getting to know them, all this stuff. And I'm, I know the drill. I know what you're going to ask me. I'm game. Put this one in the books, right? Second meeting, we got this. And I'm at the end of the first meeting. I'm like, I'm teary-eyed. Um, I'm not, no, no, I was crying. I'm teary-eyed. That's, no. Let's <laughs> call it what it is. I was crying. And I was crying. I was like, oh, my gosh. And, but not like a bad, it, it was a genuine, joyful cry. My God, you're speaking in my heart right now. Because I was more messed up than I thought I was. And why? Because I, had, I, I, I only had eyes on this one area except for me. And that was it. So here's what I realized about myself is that I'm more vulnerable than I think I really am being. Meaning, I'm leaning my counseling session, so I hope you guys appreciate this is that it's one thing to be vulnerable when the process is done. You following me? It's one thing to be vulnerable when, like, you're at the destination, but it's another thing to be vulnerable when you're still in it. It's almost like there's a, um, what's a good way of saying this? It, it's almost like there's, like, a, a, a rehearsed vulnerability, not a fake vulnerability, but it's like, hey, this is what's happening. But it's like, what about that real-time vulnerability? Where it's like, what are you experiencing? So, so I didn't realize that I wasn't being as vulnerable as I thought I was uh, being. And then I started, my gosh, God, I think, I think you're working on pride in my life right now. Pride that I have to have it all together before I bring people in. And, and look at what the Word of God says. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. So get this picture. God's power works best in what? Weakness. If we're unwilling to be weak in his presence, it's because we're hanging on to pride. God gives grace to the humble, but he opposes those with pride. I am not suggesting you are in pain and you are staying in pain because of pride. But what I am saying is that we know what it's like that we stay in a place of pain because we're unwilling to lay our pride down. We all know what, we all know what that's like, where it's like, I got this, I'm going to do this. And this is so fresh for me because I'm like, God, like, I don't want to allow my pride to get in the way. I need your grace. And, but the only way that, that you're going to turn my pain into power is if I laid at your feet. I got, I got to lay down my pride. And so I would say it this way. Pride is pursuing God's will your way. I was thinking, I was like, how do I like define pride? Which kind of sounds prideful, right? Like I could define pride on myself, but let's just keep it simple. Pride is wanting God's will, but your way. 
Basically, it's saying that, God, I want your way, but I'm going to define the outcome. This is how I want you to do it in my marriage. This is how I want you to do it in my potential relationship. This is how I want you to do it in my finance. This is how I want you to do it in all these areas. And God's like, that's not how it works. How it works is that you come to my throne, you lay your pride down, and that's when I start working on your heart. That's where, like, you stop looking at the valley around you, but I start working on the valley here. And then you start hearing the voice the, the, th the same voice that Elijah heard, you're going to start hearing for yourself in those areas of your life. God is so kind. God, does he won't leave us in our brokenness, but he will allow us to operate uh, still in it if we can't come to him humbly. And so let's come humbly to our God. He is close to the brokenhearted. He is the source of all comfort. And that maybe... Maybe you've been not in reality lately. Maybe you've abandoned responsibility. Maybe you've been doubting or calling. I just feel like today that if you lay your pain down, not, not, in a, not in a silver bullet, not in a cliche, but in a very authentic and real way, if you lay those things at his feet, let the Lord touch your heart again. Those areas that maybe you've had a kind of a stiff arm, not a way, God will heal your heart. He will take your pain and he'll turn it into power. Why? Because God's, uh, our weakness can be turned to power by his grace. Let's, let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for what you have spoken, God, in our time. And God, I'm grateful, Lord, that you are ministering hearts right now. You're, you're touching hearts right now. And so I pray, God, for those, God, that have been just stuck. They're hurting. They're in pain, God. Lord, your grace is sufficient for them. So I pray, Lord, Lord God, that there would be a humbling, God, that, Lord, that we would lay our pride down, God. We'd lay our ego down, Lord, that if we're to follow your example, we know your example. You die on a cross. You did not uh, grapple onto your own privileges, but you laid them down. And so, God, I, I pray, God, for our church this morning, God, myself included, that, Lord, that you would heal our pain. You would touch us, God. Remove the pride, God. And that, Lord, that you would do something new and powerful in our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we give God some praise right now, church? Come on. Thank you again for tuning in to the Fountain Podcast, where our heart is to lead people to see Jesus clearly, love him deeply, and follow him wholeheartedly. You can also find more content by following us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and by downloading our app.